0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back. Tyler Mahoney here, my good buddy, Jeff Falkenberry, for the second episode of the Endless Season Outdoors podcast. Jeff, good to see you, man. Number two. Good yeah. to see you, man. <laughs> it's uh, We kind of talked about it on the last episode. We're kind of shooting for one a month here Yeah, uh, for the first year, and it might pick up, but we just are uh, happy to get back out there. and and start talking hunting and fishing and kind of report on some news and
1: absolutely shoot the breeze a little bit kind of jump into it and, you yeah. know through viewer feedback or listener feedback you know if uh, we're getting enough stuff that people want to hear us ramble more by golly we'll do it absolutely so we're sitting here it's the uh we're early february day february 6th and man we got a little bit of a chill down here recently and and more coming <laughs> yeah you know, today was the last day of the canada goose season and and the weather now is getting ready to take a turn and mm-hmm. say so we're going to get zero at night, negative two at night, yep. high of 14, and it looks like that for 10 days. Yeah. So looks like it's going to get pretty brisk. Yeah. Um, we've been out you know, fishing this week, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get in what we could because mm-hmm. we know that the lake's going to most likely freeze up. <sighs> um, been out mostly catfishing and, right. and uh, testing out some new products, uh-huh. got some new rods. Um, that I'm working on right now with the, with the company, and uh, more of that to come. But right. got some new stuff coming to the catfish industry. It's gonna be pretty, pretty darn yeah. cool. Yeah, that's freaking awesome. So, a little bit of background info, because just we're
0: still kind of new with this. Some of you might be finding this for the first time and not know who we are. Jeff yeah. Falkenberry is big time fishing and hunting guide here around Truman, Missouri, Truman uh-huh. Lake, Missouri, and Clinton oh, Big sorry. time. He, he's been doing it a long time, and so. You know when he's talking about all this stuff that he just mentioned i mean
1: he's been working in the industry as a full-time guide for how long man i've been guiding since i was 17 full-time has probably been uh 13 14 yeah. 15 years probably full-time
0: yeah. yeah so i mean he knows his stuff obviously he's got tons of clients he's
1: booked up almost already for 2021 um <laughs> been blessed man it's yeah. super cool and been doing this long enough and that now um you know everybody's fortunately wants to come back i don't know why i'm not that good looking but (laughs) we do have a great time yeah you know when people come and they they come on you know march 26 and we get done fishing they say put me down for the next year and it's so cool to look back at your guidebook Mm -hmm. in december and say holy smokes yeah i only got four days left this month six days left this month yeah what a blessing and it's all because of these people right here yeah it's really cool and you know it's uh, I'm a little bit younger
0: and like kind of came on the Clinton Missouri scene when my family bought some property down here but I've been in outdoor communication and ultimately it's how I kind of connected with Jeff Um, worked on the Kansas City Star fishing report for the last several years and uh, we're just super excited to get this going and uh, you know you talked about the cold cold weather and ice coming our way so What's Jeff Falkenberry going to be doing the next couple of weeks with Canada Goose just closed
1: today and fishing <laughs> might be slowing down. What's, what's on the schedule? Well, oh, I'm probably going to work on some stuff to try to, try to help with the podcast and, and, uh, maybe get on and do a little, little editing. I'm getting into that a little yep. bit and uh, do some practice there. Um, I've got some farming friends around the area that'll definitely probably use a hand, <laughs> um, with livestock when yep. it gets this cold, putting out bales and and you know some folks already having early spring kids, so um, you know I'll lend a hand to a neighbor if I can if I have any downtime there's always something to do but Absolutely. you know when it gets these bitter temperatures I'm a huge dog guy mostly Labradors mm-hmm. I love hounds too but um, it gets these temperatures you know your outside animals uh, dogs cats mm-hmm. whatever those kind of temperatures them animals need to come in yeah. you know and and obviously you can't bring all the cows in wish we could but, uh, <laughs> I'll probably be helping with a little bit of yeah. that and then getting tackling stuff ready getting the shop shopping stuff ready and just like what you've been doing um out getting cameras Mm -hmm. up watching for Mm -hmm. for some some of these guys man look at this yep that's right tell me a story about this thing so
0: these sheds here and you can kind of see this one's been chewed on a little bit this was a deer we had tracked for well four years this was his uh, set from when he was four and a half years old unfortunately we never connected with him and uh but i do have his sheds but I found this pair turkey hunting one morning, I had been looking all spring and never connected with picking these up until second week of turkey season, Uh, this would have been two years ago, I uh, was down in what we call the gobs, the strip pits, uh, where they used to mine coal on our property right across the street here, gobbler was going nuts, I set up and as the light was coming up in the woods I I could faintly see these these white glowing, I mean looked like just big branches sitting in front of me. And I thought, oh my gosh, as it became more and more clear, that was the big boy set. I (laughs) saw the one antler laying about 20 yards in front of me and then the one behind it, another 30 yards past it. And uh, goodness gracious, that was a pretty cool morning because that gobbler came right in, ended up coming in behind me, I got him. And so that morning picked up some of our biggest sheds we've ever found and got a gobbler
1: (laughs) tagged out. You don't get any more lucky than
0: that. No, I mean that was that was one that you, that's one that you'll remember especially because of this. It just was right. really special. Right. You and I I've both killed a lot of turkeys, but this just makes that one stand
1: out in particular. Yep. There's always a story behind him, but that that's a freaking story. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome.
0: Yep. It. Uh, he was a pretty darn nice deer. I think this one taped out right in the low one sixties on this set, and he. He blew up pretty nicely the
1: following year, and we just never connected with him. That was the one that got away. It's cool to wrap your hands around him in April, but it would have been real cool to wrap him around right. in November. That's exactly <laughs> right. It's
0: just, well, it's like a piece of the puzzle, man. It's just something special. I almost enjoy picking up sheds more than I do shooting them in a way, because it's like, gosh darn it. you're you're. It's like a cat and mouse game the whole yeah. time, and you're standing there in that spot, and you're like, gosh darn it. He was right here. I am standing
1: right where he was standing, and uh, it just adds to it so you know that's one thing of course I've been out fishing um, through the winter time but we're we're getting ready to get really cold and and you've been out putting up some cameras Mm -hmm. and and, um, being able to start putting corn back in feeders and stuff like that now that that season has ended Um, and that's a really good thing because you'll know when these guys start to drop these ones I've never been a big shed hunter I've found a good plenty yeah Um, I've got a good plenty in my shop my wife uh, two weeks ago we took a little side by side ride on a little property around our house there, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought maybe an early one to drop the horn yeah. in the bean field and we were just riding, I mean, not even walking, and just kind of slowly going along, and she was watching some fence crossings, and she found a real nice half, yep. what I would call a half of a ten pointer, yep, um, and but it was from the year before, yeah, and and i had been over there, you know, up and down that fence row a hundred times, yep. And uh, but she happened to spot it from the side by side. And-, and I tell you what, you could drive by
0: these things, walk by them years and years. and i've I've got a video on YouTube, and I'll link that in this video description, but, Uh, I found an antler that was buried in dirt up to its tips. I had to dig it out of the ground and it was right off one of our roads. Like somehow we never saw it for several years, It's just crazy
1: stuff. But you uh, talk to different shed hunters and shed dogs have got to be really super popular now. And I don't think it's all that hard to train a dog to find sheds really. Not,
0: not really. I mean, I've been working with my Australian shepherds. They don't have quite as much as that retriever instinct. Uh, So they'll find it around the house in the backyard but they really like standing right next to you yeah you really got to work with them on that search go, find. go search and uh and do that sweeping motion out in front of you but yeah i mean get them started young when they're four to six months old i know Just they use fetch, any kind
1: of dog but yeah, a lot of labradors are yep. bred for shed, shed dogs yep. and, and you know how a labrador is mm-hmm. you know if you tell it to go look for something it's yeah. to kind of look for it. I mean, my dogs—they know what the feed bowl is. Right. They know. Uh. You know. They know all that stuff. And I think no matter how old a dog gets, they say you can't teach an old dog new new tricks. Yeah. I think that's crap. I think yeah. no matter how old a dog gets, you know, if you were to throw that dog this shed, yeah. You know, every day for thirty or sixty days. Yeah. Um. You could hide this shed anywhere in the yard. Uh huh. And then tell them to go look for it. They're gonna find it. It's like their toy, right? Yeah. So then you go out in the woods. You don't have the toy. the dog may find a new toy. they want to go find the bone that's what find the bone let's find the bone so something really cool for for people to get out and try that i absolutely know nothing about yeah is you know start throwing your dog some uh you know grind the points off because it could hurt pup yeah um, and there's some companies
0: that make uh some of these like hard plastic antlers that are really nice they're soft on the mouth so when they're really young you can throw that with them and then kind of work their way up into the real deal and they even make freaking they make scents I'll like that. Ant- antler scents like freaking dopey but nope it's the scent of an antler that you can rub on an antler so they start getting that smell association
1: as well crazy cool well you know i got to be part of something this year um where a friend had made uh what he thought was a really good hit mm-hmm. on, a, on a big whitetail and and it, i think it ended up being a little high and, yeah. and non-lethal um actually i think they got pictures of them later so that's a good thing but Uh, was able to call through Facebook I'd saw uh, some people here in Henry County were on the Missouri blood trackers and they had a dog and they brought this dog over and it was really neat to watch this dog work just like any other hound I mean she wasn't opening or anything but but I always thought with those blood tracking dogs they were tracking the blood of a wounded animal and they don't I guess when a deer is injured it puts out some kind of Oh. Something through its feet. Uh, okay. And instead of smelling all the other deer, they can tell a difference between that wounded deer and all the other deer. Interesting. In
0: I didn't know that. I, I knew didn't... that there was like some glands,
1: yeah. uh, but wow. Yeah. I always assumed it was blood as well. Yep. The dog can apparently differentiate again. Yeah. I don't know nothing about it. But <laughs> yeah. Kind of neat to learn. Yeah. But it can differentiate between that wounded animal and all the other animals. Yeah. That is really pretty, cool. Pretty, pretty super cool. So. But about these things, you're pretty good at this. <laughs> do you have any tips?
0: Yeah, you know I've, you gotta get out there and do it for one. Yeah, don't, put don't, the miles don't on Don't let the weather deter you because it can be kind of nasty this time of year. But there's no COVID on <laughs> Yeah, that's a good thing about it. You're, it's gonna be COVID free. But uh, no, I mean we've been in. We're in West Central Missouri here near Clinton. My family's had a farm in Warsaw, Missouri, for from 1999 to 2012, and in 2012 we came up here to Clinton, so west central Missouri, and, and that 20 years of experience shed hunting, especially running cameras, uh, a lot of folks are out there searching right now, and that's fine and good. There are going to be some early droppers, but in our experience, at least in this area, most of the bucks aren't gonna be dropping until that last week of February. I really don't even get started until the first week of March, looking. Mm. Um, and part of the, the way I do that is I do monitor trail cameras, so I know, um, I did check cameras today and there was one buck that had dropped. Um, and that was it, that was it. Um, so that's- Big No, he was a little guy. And, and what I found interestingly, there are some big ones, because a lot of people think, well, they're old, they're gonna drop sooner than the little guys. The, uh, what i found is a lot of times it's the little guys that'll drop sooner because they're, I think, I don't know, this is me theorizing, I think their testosterone level isn't as hyped up as the big boys are still chasing yeah. those those fawns that are coming into estrus late in the year. So anyway, for what that's worth, but uh, now you got to get out there. And what I do is I like to grid search. So instead of just aimlessly wandering around a field or the edge of a field, uh, I use that Onyx hunting app uh, that basically allows you to, drop a track and it tracks you in real time. Mm -hmm. So I'll be using that app as I'm looking and I will do a just back and forth grid. I'll break the property up into quadrants and I'll just break down each quadrant and comb an area. And it is amazing. I mean, just this past year on this property alone, we found over 50 sheds. Wow. And that was more than the previous six, seven years combined, but I hadn't gotten as intense as I did last year. And, um, it really made a difference, but you just gotta
1: put the miles on. Well, I hear this debate, cloudy days or sunny days? Uh, cloudy days, 100%. Why is that? Because you would think that you would see the sun bouncing off an antler. Yeah,
0: so here's the deal, especially when you're walking in timber and that sun, and I know you've been in the woods and mm-hmm. the that sun's coming through the trees and okay here's a shadow here, here's uh-huh. a sun spot here, it all like it makes it hard for your eyes to focus, so when it's just that dull cloudy light
1: that's the way to go. In fact, that's normally the answer I get. Yeah, the cloud, You know, the, the people who find piles, yep. you know, always like cloudy days.
0: Yep, And I use, I used to use a yellow tinted, uh, safety glasses that seemed to help things stand out on a cloudy day. Um, but I also, uh, not, I look for a rainy day, so maybe not pouring down rain, but just light rain or it just rains. So the leaves are all matted down flat. and really dark. And man, those
1: you want to talk about sticking out like a sore throne, uh, they do. The best day I ever had picking up sheds was I was modeling for a shoot for Cabela's. Uh And it was after a flood, we were in the bottom shooting a duck deal. Uh And the flood had come up and went back down right after the deer dropped their antlers. Oh, So the ground was completely flat. And we were literally driving the levees and like, whoop, stop, get out and pick (laughs) up an antler drive a little further, whoop, stop, and <laughs> awesome. up an antler, because the ground was so flat, mm-hmm. you could just see them standing out there all over the place, yep. it was it was amazing. Yeah, you gotta love those
0: days. Yeah, It's it's pretty cool when you come back and you have a day where you pick up 10 or 15 of these things or more, but uh, it's, uh, I don't know, I get a kick out of it, it's really
1: enjoyable, and it's a honestly a good exercise when you're out there hiking. Like crazy. Look at all the people like the mushroom hunt. Yep. I mean, you can't eat them, but it it is super cool. Yeah. You know, arrowhead hunt. My wife really wants to get into arrowhead Mm -hmm. hunting, and and she loves outside exercise, anything. So, you know, arrowhead hunting, and and this is something that I think she'd like to really do more of. Mm -hmm. Uh, She finds a lot of them mushroom hunting. Yeah. But really, super cool, something to look forward to. Yeah. Um,
0: I get asked, "What do you do with them?" Like, because I've got hundreds laying around. So, I mean i mean there's a lot of answers people who are crafty you can make antler lamps you can i've been i've been saving
1: the big ones to do a chandelier at some point i think a christmas tree like a nine foot tall christmas tree would be cool but i don't pick up that i would have like a like a snow globe (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) yeah the dogs love to chew on them just even if they're not they just they're great chews you can cut them into chunks and uh they love to chew on them too so they're great chew toys and you don't have to go spend 20 or 30 dollars for one little se- segment yeah. of an antler at pet smart yeah. so uh, there's a lot of a lot of cool things
1: you can do with them yeah. but cool. uh something to look forward to but moving on we got a few more things to cover here but let's talk about since still kind of on the shed but a different critter yeah what about these elk in yeah southeast missouri how about south- that they,
0: yeah. I'm trying to remember the exact year they reintroduced them because it's been five or six years, yeah, I think. No, um, but, yeah, so Missouri this year had five tags. And I was just reading this earlier. I think there was just over 19,000 people that applied for yeah. these five tags. I knew it was
1: like almost 20 grand.
0: I, I, I would have thought more would have applied for it. Out of all the deer hunters in the state, I mean, there was almost 300,000 deer killed this year. I would have thought more would have applied.
1: You know, everybody, I talk to... You know, it was like, well there's only gonna be five tags. Right. They're already spoken for. Yeah. I don't think so. No. You know, I mean I think it was a pretty clean and fair lottery draw. Now one of those tags was a landowner correct name. Yep. And um, you know, when it was all said and done, it was kinda crazy. All these all the public land guys killies. Uh-huh. The big ones. And the landowner <laughs> got no, the spike. <laughs> got a spike. Yeah. Which, hey, Yeah, they taste good. Yeah, elk is probably my favorite.
0: If if you're a landowner around the Peck Ranch area, I mean, there was only thirty three landowners that put in, so your chances of getting drawn on that that's not bad. I'll take those off. Go buy some
1: land. (laughs) You might have a chance. Yeah, Um, I don't know how much you have to have.
0: I don't probably that whatever they changed it to that twenty one or twenty two or something. I would imagine but everybody filled a tag. Yeah, I mean that's impressive. The first year, all five and to speak to your point about it being fair, I mean they made it to where a Missouri Department of Conservation person employee, uh, and I like Sarah Polly talked about it. Our director, they weren't allowed to be in the drawing. So no. I mean they really made it to where it was the
1: public that had this opportunity. I don't know. Um you know i don't know how on the on the pie chart how many people are like huge fans of these things coming back and how mm. many people aren't yeah um, i don't live in that area yeah i can tell you if i was running cows down there i had a farm down there mm-hmm. i probably wouldn't be much of a fan mm-hmm. um, you know we've put some huge dollars into this yeah you know if it goes great if it doesn't it's not like we haven't put huge dollars into other failing right projects but, right but uh those things are hard on fences and
0: well you know, it, you know, it's pretty mountainous. Uh oh, You're yeah, in I the heart good. of the Ozarks down there, so. Yeah, but if
1: you're running cows. Yeah. And you got this six by six bull elk yeah. on five strand barbed wire <laughs> that can't get his large booty across right, there, right? You right. Know, he's mashing three strands uh-huh. now. I can just see it being a problem. Yeah. You know, but. Everybody filled their tags, yeah. so that's it. now we're gonna have bear tags yeah. even in our county. Yeah, did you see we no, were in didn't. zone three? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, we got bear tags. I don't think we have any bears, but I swear, <laughs>
0: to, to this <laughs> day, go. to this day, I found bear tracks on our place. Oh, that's right, you told me. Right that. across the street, the first year I took pictures of it and I, I Googled it. I'm like, had to look, and it was, it was identical to bear tracks. Sent it to NBC. Right. Like, no, that was a dog <laughs> that stepped. It's front paw landed in the other front paw, and that's what it was. And I'm like, you guys, this is back when they kind of used to deny mountain lions and everything The fifth leg, man. Yeah. The fifth leg will get you every time. Yeah. And anyway, I swear, and that was right around the time that a bear was spotted just right off of uh, whatever that highway is, down past 7, going over to Lincoln. C. Yeah. Um, And then a bear, it was in a three-week time span. I found the track, bear was spotted there, and then the one that was three miles outside of Lee Summit. I think it was the same bear that was traveling.
1: Can't say for call, sure. Call me crazy. Yeah, I like it. I but
0: it. it'd be cool to get a bear season, for sure.
1: I guess, if there's bears. Yeah. They're, they're just overgrown raccoons. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you don't have anything getting in your trash now. Right. Let's have a bear running around. If you listen
0: to there. Steven Ranella, uh, bear meat is uh, some of the
1: best meat around, as long as it gets cooked properly. So I've eaten bear. Yeah. Um, I've only had it like as a roast, mm. so I'm I'm kind of convinced that if you cook down a piece of meat with potatoes, carrots, and celery, mm. and beef broth, yeah, you could pretty well eat it, right? <laughs> you know, right. I've had uh, beaver. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you, know, you were there. You know. Yep. We had it And you know, it just tastes like pot roast. Yeah. And, and uh, so that's the only way I ever had bear. Oh, one other way I had it snack sticks. Okay. And uh, some some people from Minnesota you fish just, with me.
0: You just gotta get it cooked, otherwise you're getting trichinosis. Yeah. <laughs> Which... Side
1: note, me and the wife tonight before we uh, came to do the show mm-hmm. had our first sandhill crane. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, it's so wonderful. Ribeye of yeah. the sky, for real? Uh, you, I honestly, you, I would. It would be hard to convince you it wasn't beef. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was very mild, no goose flavor, dark livery, nothing. Really mild, really nice. Where'd you get your hands on a sandhill crane? Some friends of mine actually went. Down the first weekend of January, and uh-huh. shot him in Oklahoma. Okay, and uh, and so he he gave me some. I I was they invited me to go on this trip, but with duck clients and everything, I couldn't make it work. And and so uh, he brought some back, and because I told him I said I want to try eating those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they were really good. It's starting to be a really big freaking deal. I was watching a TV show earlier. It was yeah. all about hunting sandhill yeah. cranes. Yeah, and I don't know. I was kind of impressed. Yeah, you know, kind of kind of strayed away from our elk deal there but how did it compare to like a traditional waterfowl it wasn't no not near the same yeah it it looked like a goose breast had a little more fat um but no dark livery rich taste Mm -hmm. which which i love mallards and i love canada Mm -hmm. geese um made in pastrami or jerky Mm -hmm. uh but uh it was mild really mild and so, we just seared it in okay, cast iron okay I was going to ask you know medium rare finished off skin again, on 130 degrees no, no okay yeah skin off Yeah, okay yeah and it was it was wonderful
0: yeah it was really good I was impressed yeah goodness gracious yeah I've been wondering about I mean I've been seeing the last couple of years really taking off yeah. so uh, there's
1: I mean big... it, it would have to have a lot more marbleization and stuff to be a ribeye of oh, yeah, the sky right but, yeah, I mean, it was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Hey, well, that's fascinating. You're the, I think the only person I know that has ever had it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was my first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of off topic, but you know, we are talking about elk meat and bear meat yeah. and all that stuff. Elk is, I mean, we've got an elk, you oh, guys, you guys
0: like can't wonderful. see it, we got one right
1: over here on the mm-hmm. wall. And it,
0: uh, what, just looking at this, it is amazing how huge these
1: animals are. It is. And how they can get through the woods so quickly. <laughs> right. Is. I was in Canada fishing one time, and there was these moose, mm-hmm. and we seen them going into the woods. So he's like, "Oh, we're we'll get some pictures, you know." And they were gonna come around this cove and come to this other side. So we were gonna head them off in the right. boat, and we were, and we were gonna get these pictures. And we we're waiting, and we we're waiting, and we we're waiting, and we we're waiting, and we sat there a good long while. And pretty soon, we look, and they've already walked past us. Mm-hmm. And how a moose! Mm-hmm. But the ground up there is like walking on a bath sponge, a right. wet bath sponge, right. you know. So they can just slip right on through. It's yeah. like pretty amazing. You know? These were cows. They didn't have, like, big old... Things, <laughs> right. But, but right. these guys, I mean, you got you got to pick your path when you're packing that much headgear. <laughs> right. And, and they get through that stuff with ease. And like you said,
0: pretty quiet. It's definitely a learning lesson. I mean, if you're a deer hunter, any kind of hunter, like, I've hunted with folks that they don't comprehend what it means to pick up your feet in the woods and walk yeah. quietly and uh, it is you got to sound like an animal if you're yeah. gonna get in on them
1: yeah well we'll see how this Missouri season expands and yeah I don't know uh, what's gonna come next you know the MDC right now is starting to send out their surveys I just got my archery survey um, through via email you used to get send it out in a paper yeah. you know you check the box and then send it back mm-hmm and now I get it via email and I can get right on there and answer that right. survey. And my archery survey was, seemed a little bit different this year than normal. Like mm. the questions, mm. um, just to run down from the top of my head, like they said, how many days did you hunt? I said, you know, roughly 25 days. Right. And th- then they wanted to know like between this week, this week and this week, how many days did you hunt mm. this week and this week? And, and you know, how you thought that the number of deer you saw, yeah. how many deer you killed, and this and that and that and this, pretty lengthy, uh, survey but easy to do through email yeah um i don't know what happens with them but.
0: yeah i don't know i haven't seen that unless i deleted it <laughs> but i normally try to take those and uh you know who knows uh, i the one thing that i was really unhappy about even though it didn't really affect affect me whenever they changed it but they took away that second archery buck tag
1: yeah.
0: only 500 people a year ever filled it yeah, that always didn't make sense to me. I always wanted the opportunity. I never did ever <laughs> kill three bucks in one year or two with the archery ones rifle. But I always like,
1: man, I want I want to be able to do that. And uh I don't you know, know any landowner. I don't know too many landowners with even a sizable piece of ground that can say they yeah. would kill three bucks off of their property. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, like you're always chasing that one, but you don't. You know? Yeah. Take it easy. That's
0: enough. that's kind of I am, and that's. Uh, there hasn't been three bucks that i wanted to kill That's a, a single year yeah. for the last five or six years but there has been a couple years where i'm like oh i want that one that one and that one but yeah. the chances of actually connecting
1: with all three yeah that ain't gonna right. happen so now that the waterfowl season's over you know the waterfowl surveys will be coming out and i i'll, I'll be 100 honest i used to never fill them out mm-hmm. and you know with johnny everhard he would always fill them out and send yep. them back in and and uh, the stuff, you know, how many turkey poles did you see and stuff like that? Right. Know, he would always spend, and he'd ask me, he'd say, Did you get surveys? Like, yeah, did fill it out? No, I don't yeah. know, just file 13, you know? But, yeah. but then he was like, Well, what if everybody filed 13? Right. And like, hey, you got points. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now I try to fill them out.
0: It's it's kind of because I get the turkey surveys for sure in the summertime where it's like, How many uh, yeah. poles have you seen? Yeah. And I'll get really gung ho like the first week, and if I don't have it, like sitting in the dash of my truck, like ready to fill out. Forget about it, unfortunately. I mean, I wish there was a better way um, to do that, but uh, it's kind of hard to keep track of, so.
1: Yeah, I hear you. There's a, before we leave the MDC thing, one thing they got going right now is a, uh, there's a class you can sign up for. It's on February 18th. It's a warm season grass class. you got to be registered you got to go online and register but uh, it's for the for the farmers they yeah. run cattle um, and it kind of tells you the benefits of, of warm season grasses mm-hmm. you know in the in the summertime when the the blue grass and and stuff like that start to stop growing as much right um, you know warm season grasses can help with your uh, yearlings and stuff like that so 100
0: percent. well and to that point so back in 2013, I don't know if it's the same exact program or not, uh, but we enrolled in a deal with the Missouri Department of Conservation, I believe at the time it was a 90-10 cost share program where they paid for 90% of it and we paid for 10 and They came in, evaluated the property, figured out how much was needed. And we needed to get, uh, I think it was 35-ish acres of warm season grasses that we got planted. And uh, they came out the first couple years and they haven't really been out to check it out since then. But um, basically they have instructions, you know, you do your prescribed burns, you mow it every now and then. And I'll tell you what, um, not only is it great for all the pollinators and the little birds, but the deer freaking <laughs> loves especially them. when it gets over your yep. head at all. Yep, and what's really great, so I mean, comparing it to like a food plot, I mean, it's almost like a food plot in the sense that deer wanna be safe. They wanna have quick safety next to where they get their food, and so we've got it planted strategically all around our food plots. And you can enter your stand walking right next to that native grass, get in your stand, and then boom, here comes a deer out of it, right where you just walked, because it's they feel so safe yeah. Yeah. that they're just in there protected. And what's so funny is you could be in an elevated blind. You could watch them just take a step into that grass gone. <laughs> you cannot see them in that stuff. That's just, it's, it's amazing. That just them feeling comfortable. Um, it's going to keep a lot of deer and other wildlife
1: on your property. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know all of the ins and outs, but I know it's on February 18th and you have to pre-register because there is limited seats. But uh, anytime you can get into a program where somebody wants to put a little money into your investment, right? You know, it's, it's probably a pretty good deal. So uh, go on the MDC website or call your local office and kind of check in on that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been
0: a great deal. And it, our deal was a 10-year program where it stays in native grasses for 10 years. And honestly, we'll probably keep it going. So it's just been outstanding. Fantastic. So, and I mean, quail. Rabbits, all your small game. Yeah, we've had an influx of quail here over the last several years We've got a cubby that comes up here to the house, but we flush them all the time over there We've got a couple of different cubbies that range anywhere from 10 to 15 and 15 to 20 and I know for a fact It has something to do with all those native grasses and some of the things that we've been doing with the prescribed burns and Making the ground more effective for them. So absolutely but so you uh, kind of sh- shifting gears a little bit um you know talking about some gear you were just down at grizzly jig show um i was kind of curious some of the things that you were seeing down there i mean for folks that may not have heard about it what it's all about
1: right right um, if you if you're a crappie fisherman you've probably heard of grizzly jig and if you haven't it's something you should really check out Um uh, louis wade and lance mansfield uh, it's all family operation. It's been down in Carothersville, Missouri for, for many, many years. And they just got into a new building, huge building, bigger than they've ever been before. And they've now become the largest crappie store in the nation. If it has to do with crappie fishing, they've got it. Uh, it's pretty unreal. I mean, You were
0: telling me the other day that they have quills. So yeah, like, quills, yeah. like porcupine quills. Yeah. That I guess you, okay, use I guess, yeah, yeah, uses a bobber. Like, that was something I had to look
1: up afterwards. I was like, I've never heard no of No resistance. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Sunfish, so whatever, you know, a porcupine quill. Uh-huh. Um, Scott Turnage and I were down there, and he said, Man, I remember throwing those quills. And he said, You pitch them up there next to a cypress knee, you know, and that quill'd stick in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, there's no resistance. Uh-huh. So you can use those for like brim fishing uh-huh. or perch fishing or whatever you want to call them yeah uh, some fish and there's no resistance when that fish takes that that bait but they'll float you know or lay on top of the water yeah and uh, yeah so quills they still sell them to this day yeah that's crazy they've got every jig you can think of i mean if it's a crappie jig that is a a established bait that's been on the market Mm -hmm. they've got it yeah Uh, every rod that you can think of on the market for crappie fishing that's that's Got any salt to its name mm-hmm. they've got it uh, terminal tackle boat seats uh, bilge pumps depth finders trolling motors they've got it, everything you need for crappie fishing like i said it's in carothersville missouri that's in the boot hill the boot hill mm-hmm. like you leave carothersville and go south 10 15 minutes or so you're in tennessee mm-hmm. so scott and i went to the show and actually left the show and had Dinner with his uh, uh brother and sister in law in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Yep. So, and we were just hop, skipping, and jump. Um, but it's so neat because everything's right there in one place. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a wonderful tackle store here in town, Everhart's Outdoor Store. Mm-hmm. But it's just something that you need to take the road trip. It's a little ways from here, mm-hmm. and go down and see this because it it'll blow your mind. Yeah, it'll blow your mind and and your pocketbook. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I bet mean, you. Yeah. Uh, you know, take the truck because you're going to haul some stuff home for yeah. sure. Uh, they've got it. Yeah. Really super cool. And and what's neat is to see that family been doing that for that long and build that big of an empire mm-hmm. in such a small, small town yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah.
0: It's impressive, uh, especially with just the way 2020 went down for a lot of retail stores yep. that they've been able to make it through and, like you said, get into a much, much bigger
1: Operation. Yep. So. And they have a, a awesome catalog. Um, I think they even do it on a website. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they have a website, but I think they have an e-catalog mm-hmm. type deal. But they have always sent out a paper catalog that was like, it it put, you know, it, you you always get like a Bass Pro and a Cabela's. Now they're it's barely anything. Mm-hmm. You know, but their masters real thick. That Grizzly catalog is like a master catalog all the time. Mm-hmm. And they, they got it going on for a crappie store it's pretty awesome yeah that that is really cool in that show you know everybody's there everybody that's anybody in the mm-hmm. world of crappie fishing is is there you know i went as a visitor but there was a lot of people doing seminars and uh you know talking about everything from catching crappie to cleaning crappie to you name it mm-hmm. uh, but if 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 you were in the crappie fishing world you were at the grizzly Jeep Show. yeah and
0: like you said, it's it's definitely not uh, it's not a short drive. It's five or six hours probably.
1: But you were talking, did you say they were going to do multiple shows a year? Eventually, he'd like to get it up okay. to a few shows a year. Yeah, now it's just once a year. Yeah. But uh, eventually, you know, Wade, that's straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah. he'd Like to get up to where he would do, you know, more of them a year. Yeah, I mean just
0: maximizes the opportunity for folks that might not be able, I mean especially this time of year, obviously it's trade show time of the year typically, yeah. weather can be a little uh, dicey Always as we're seeing, so I mean having multiple during the year could provide a lot of options for folks. Yep, absolutely. So, um, but yeah, so that's really cool and uh, you know it just keeps me, uh, keeps me excited and just thinking about uh, you know Truman Lake Fish and Intel and just all the things that I want to get up there on the gear reviews and, and whatnot. So uh, you talked about a little bit earlier, speaking of, you know,
1: some fishing rod stuff. Yeah, I've got, uh, you know, I've had some Signature Series catfish rods out for quite a while now. We've made some changes and, and uh, switches and stuff, and you know, we've got some new ones coming mm-hmm. out. I've been working on them. I'm pretty excited about Yeah. Uh, so what I mean just, what can uh, you tell us so far well we've got just a couple models you know two two models of rods um, one that I'll use a lot for drift fishing mm-hmm. and one that I'll use for anchor fishing but uh, I've been out slamming fish on them all mm-hmm. week and you're liking you're liking, liking yeah. the the results yep. so
0: what's the difference in a rod that's for drift fishing and anchor fishing mostly action
1: okay um I like a faster action uh, when I'm when I'm drift fishing um rod that can wrap around just a little bit uh, it's more of a medium action mm-hmm. rod and then my anchor fishing rod will be one i would use in current on the river mm. uh, where it's a little bit more of what i call a medium heavy action rod yeah run a heavier heavier line heavier weight more current stuff like that yeah and, uh, and so really excited about it and we're going to talk about it in the future as it rolls out because they're actually being made right now right. once those roll out i hope it's going to and I know people are gonna like them, mm-hmm. um, but I want to see it go like when you pull in those dandelions in the yard. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be a whole new line. Um, gonna be a power catfish line. Yeah, uh, we got we got a really neat logo. It's gonna have some sweatshirts and t-shirts and hats and, and this and that, and it's, it's super cool. So when do you? I mean, is there any timeline on when they're gonna become available? Um, probably. I mean, I'm looking now, hopefully, like, middle of April, 1st yep. of May, something like that. Maybe, yeah. maybe sooner. Yeah. Maybe sooner. Um, you'll be able to pick up Power Catfish mm-hmm. um, uh, merchandise nice. pretty soon. I think, do you have that logo right there that we can pull up really easy? I've, I've got it here. Uh, I do believe... Um, if I this will be kind of a sneak peek don't tell anybody that you saw this but uh so like this if
0: I could blow it up a little bit
1: hopefully you guys are able to see that's going to be the new power catfish logo and uh we'll have an apparel line um not sure how far it'll go but it'll be like uh hoodies yeah you know, shirts hats stuff like that could be some jackets but uh we're going to put together a power catfish team uh it's going to be pretty sweet yeah it's going to be really sweet so
0: and the team will be made up
1: of other guides, and it's going to be a handful of guys and just serious, rock steady catfish. I mean, yeah. just go get them, Joes. I mean, yeah. face jerkers. Yeah, it's going to be some of the best in the country.
0: I uh, besides you and our Truman Lake fishing intel guys, I, I can't remember the guy's name out of St. Louis. Ryan Casey. Yeah, he man, I watch his stuff on Facebook. He seems
1: to get into some river fish. That's one are, of my good buddies. Man. Yeah, he can. He he's got that that river down the path. Yeah, and he catches some toads. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't think we have obviously that yeah, quality of fishery right. in a reservoir. Right, but what he's got going on, and and he knows how to get them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I see him. It's not often but i mean he'll have several 100 pounders it seems like or close to Mm -hmm. a year Mm -hmm. um that's outrageous yeah that's
1: outrageous yeah yeah i mean you know we go out and we get a a 50 60 70 Mm -hmm. pound fish and that's giant yeah you know on on truman Mm -hmm. Um, he goes out it's like yeah we have 450s and and 87
0: (laughs) yeah dang
1: bro yeah
0: (laughs) it's a whole different ball game yeah what do i mean what about below the dam do we have anything you think there's a little Mm -hmm. bit better size structure down there
1: yeah yeah i mean you you can um there's definitely i mean i know for certain there's fish over 80 down there and and i would say i don't i don't know be hard pressed i have yeah to see a 100 pounder yeah I did have some guys out. We had a giant, giant fish. I couldn't tell you how big it was. Mm -hmm. They'd, they'd swear it was 150. Mm -hmm. Uh, It wasn't that, but uh, it was the largest catfish Mm -hmm. I've ever had to the surface. And uh, we actually lost him right trying to. Uh. We had a big dip net and everything. We were trying to get her in the net and trying to get everything. And uh, yeah, she actually popped free right at the boat. It was large, (sighs) and we were in heavy current. You know, had it laying up to the side and. (laughs) <laughs> and the guy I had with me, was, he had a pistol. Uh-huh. He was like, I'm going to shoot it. I don't want to kill the fish. <laughs> right. I mean, it's a giant fish. Right. You know? and I was like, no, we're not going <laughs> to shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and so we were trying to you know, be as ginger as we could with a fish right. of this size. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, actually, we, it actually popped free and was gone. Who knows? Yeah. But I can tell you it was the largest fish that I've ever. At seen. least you got to see it although i have to imagine there was some heartbreak not being able to get to yeah. hold it in, yeah. in the boat we had another fish on that we had up to the boat mm-hmm. and it was a 35 pound fish mm-hmm. it was a nice fish mm-hmm. this fish didn't even cover up the belly oh. like the white part of this, this fish's belly right we had right. it up to the side of the boat with the and the other one was uh-huh. up there too and it didn't even cover up the belly yeah. on the other fish i'll never forget it it was just like this 35 pounder you know a big old catfish it didn't even cover up the belly. yeah I was like, man, that thing was awesome. <laughs> Puts into perspective what you had there. Yeah, yeah. So pretty awesome. But yeah. we're excited about it. Yeah. Uh, there'll be more to come. We're gonna talk about a lot more of it later. Yeah. Well, um one
0: of the I mean, one of the other topics I'd written down, this is one of the last ones I had written down, um, I wanted to talk about some hunting gear reviews. We'd kinda of talked about some of this fishing stuff, and I know you got a couple other things, but um, you know, one of the things, kind of shifting back to the deer hunting side, I, uh, I've been kind of opposed to using these in the past, probably because I just didn't want to spend the money, but these cellular trail cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I have six of them now. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: <laughs> I broke down. and. I've always said trail cameras will where as bad as anything else that you could get a hold of is would create an addiction a hundred percent and i'm
0: already looking at new trail cam setups that can give you a live feed like i'm just getting way too into it but um i went ahead and so i got the muddy manifest uh as well i got a couple of those but then i ended up getting four of the new tacticams that just taken the hunting industry by storm and partly because of the 99 nine dollar price point so in years past, to get a cellular trail camera, you're spending two to three hundred or more. Uh, a lot of them in that three to five hundred dollar range. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a twenty dollars cellular. Plan. Yeah, and then a big cellular plan. So there was a big barrier to entry on the price. I mean, I could go buy, run a lot of Brownings that I can get for seventy to a hundred bucks. I can have four cameras for one. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to stay out of your area is huge. And Our property, we've got a big 10 acre lake that on both dams, there's water on each side. So it creates these massive pinch points and got cameras on them both. And that has been really cool to kind of time when deer are coming and see who's, which buck is going to which dam and where. Um, And even with all that extra intel, it still took me over a month to get and i got completely lucky on the buck that i was after doing something completely opposite of what i thought i needed to be doing um so it's not like it's a done deal Uh, just it does help a lot but it's definitely not a done deal um but i will say so going back to the review part i've been very impressed with the tacticams. very impressed they uh, do really nice photos and video the price points great the the actual subscription plans a little on the higher end um, we've got four of them I think it costs us for those four fifty bucks a month um, that my dad and I split so that's not terrible for the unlimited plan Um, they take really nice videos they don't transfer the videos um, but it really is a game changer as far as knowing when deer are doing you know doing what they're doing and it can help you come up with a better strategy so I was really impressed the muddy uh, they've functioned great but I haven't been as impressed with the photo quality. They take a little bit more blank photos for whatever reason, and I've tried playing around with it. Uh, But they're both great price points, and if you're looking at getting a a cellular trail camera, I, I would highly recommend Tacticam but i i would even recommend muddy as well they can i mean i have you can get a five dollar plan a month for Muddy, which is great for i think it's 500 photos so i mean you can't you can't really beat that a lot of camera locations aren't going to shoot 500 photos a month right so um unless you put corn out in front of them then you'll have every every
1: raccoon in the the county there i always get nice pictures of tall grass or tree limbs
0: yeah (laughs) yeah i mean I that is one thing especially with the cellular cameras yeah. if you're on a plan and it's not unlimited you better be clearing every little branch yep. and
1: piece of grass or the tag on the strap that goes around the tree uh-huh the oh tag yeah 100% end, don't leave that hanging cause every time it blows up it flags the camera. Yep. It blows up yep. the camera
0: and you keep and that's you get those blanks yeah. and so one of the things, and this was a segment I was going to talk a little bit about more in detail, but uh, I kind of nixed it, but I'll mention a couple things. Taking your trail camera game to the next level, get rid of the straps, go get the little screw-ons in the tree, oh, yeah. and it really it serves several purposes. It, it really helps it blend in better, not necessarily from the animals, but just from people, mm-hmm. um, which hopefully on private land you're not dealing with issues, right. but we've had some issues. A public land, if you're allowed to run trail cameras wherever you're at on public land, uh, it you don't wanna be using the straps. Yeah. Um, you wanna use those screw-ins and then uh, lock it to the tree. Yeah. So, and one of the other tools that I've used to up my trail camera game, I, I bought those individual stakes. Yeah. So you're not reliant on a tree because there's certain pinch points and like where fence lines and fields yeah. come together that the trees are not set up right. Okay, just get you one of those stakes, screw it in, boom. You can put it wherever you want. Yep. Um, you know, those are just a couple things I'd say. Like, if you haven't added them already, you ought to. Yeah.
1: So, and this is a good time to get them out. You can see, like I said, when, you're, when your bucks are dropping antlers or uh, my favorite. You see when the big old bachelor gobbler groups right. are starting to bunch up big turkey flocks and that's right you'll get some really beautiful trail camera pictures this time of year
0: we've uh, we've got some groups that are uh
1: strutting around already awesome yeah, so they, they kind of do that everybody says man i heard turkeys gobbling in december yeah they they gobble pretty much all year long yeah. that's what they do <laughs> yeah <laughs> not as much as they do in mm-hmm. the spring but that's that's their mode of communication right yeah. And so the same way with Strutton. i mean mm-hmm. sometimes they just feel good right. you know what i mean they yeah just, you know yeah. how it is sometimes you just feel good they wake
0: up some of those cold november mornings and there's something just something about it in the air and yeah. it's like they're yeah. going nuts so well
1: a lot going on um it looks like we're getting ready to get really cold here in west central mm-hmm. missouri and and um like you were saying earlier this is something we plan on doing once a month at least you know more if if, if you guys wanna see it, let us know. Um, we'll try to get a website up and running pretty mm-hmm. soon. Um, so for
0: now, where you can find it, we've got it up at uh, the Endless Season uh, Guide Service Facebook page, yep. um, where the full video is gonna get uploaded there. The audio is getting uploaded into the podcasting platforms. Uh, But then we're also running the video on the Truman Lake Fishing Intel YouTube channel as well. So you can find it there. You can find it at TrumanLakeFishingIntel.com. I do have it running on all of my websites, MahoneyOutdoors.com, Truman Lake Area Fishing. So there's a lot of ways you can find it, but we are definitely want to get a dedicated website for the podcast. iTunes. iTunes. Um, I basically upload it into our podcast platform and it blast it out to the world. You should be able to find it on the Google. If there's a
1: subject you'd like us to touch on or something you'd like us to mention here on the podcast, um, go on the Endless Season Guide Service Facebook page, shoot us a message. Um, We can both, you know, we can get that information relayed and and get it on here. Um, Looks like it's gonna be cold again. Bring those pets indoors. Mm -hmm. One thing, my mentor, Johnny Everhart, has told me, I mention him a lot on the show, when it's cold like this and there's nothing else to do, sit down and write a story. Mm-hmm. Reflect on this past season, uh, things that stick out in your mind, um, or seasons before. Um, you know, collect a few of those thoughts and sit down at the computer or sit down with a pad and pen and and write a good story. You'd be mm-hmm. amazed what you come up with. Um, I have wrote some short stuff. His stuff's lengthy and awesome, mm-hmm. and I can read it for days, but I wrote some short stuff, but it's... Those stories, you know, you, who, who knows how many generations they'll get passed down, right. so that'll be good when it's zero degrees outside and the lake's froze and you've got all your tackle organized and everything else. So yeah. you want to
0: write a story? Just sip on a nice cup of coffee, look out the window at the snow. I mean, that is the perfect writing setting R&B. if I've ever heard of one. R&B. So. R&B. Well guys, thanks a bunch for watching. We appreciate it a ton. We're looking forward to a bunch more of these. And uh, until next time, I'm Tyler Mahoney. I'm Jeff Falkenberry. And we look forward to seeing you
1: on the next one.